everybody. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Uh, I'm just going to get right into it. Today's episode is with an awesome individual. Her name is Dr. Amy Killen. She's an anti-aging expert. Um, and I decided to have her on the podcast. It was a little uh, while in the making, actually, because we met last year. We were on a health retreat together um, through mutual friends of ours, um, Adam and Vanessa Lambert. They host uh, these awesome adventure retreats. Um, shout out to those guys. They are amazing. And they had this event in Montana, which I found to be very exotic because I'm really a lot more of an ocean girl than a mountain girl. And I decided to go and hang out and ride horses and go for hikes in the mountains. And Montana was stunning and beautiful. And uh, yeah, I got to meet Amy on this trip. And we ended up doing a really, really long hike together one day um, in Glacier National Park, I believe it's called. We did this, I think it was like, I don't know, 20 kilometers round trip uphill, downhill, pretty intense. There was a beautiful, of course, glacier at the top. So, um, but anyway, during a, a full day hike, you really get to know people and you have some interesting conversations. And due to the nature of her work, of course, I'm asking her all kinds of cool stuff about sexual health and the latest in longevity and anti-aging uh, research that they're doing at her practice and things like peptides and and how to make yourself just look good and feel good and uh, and just stay young forever because that's kind of what we all want, right? So we had some great chats during our hike. We also saw bears, by the way. I basically saved the entire uh, group from bears because we were walking down a, a very intense um, path and I heard a noise and I stopped short and there were some grizzly bear cubs running down the hill in front of us. So yeah, lots of stuff happened that day. But all that to say, I thought it would be a really, really good idea to have Dr. Amy Killen on the podcast to chat about all of this stuff. Um, because I think, I mean, it's universally interesting to all of us, right? We all want to look good. We all want to have good, healthy sex lives. We want to live a robust, long life. Um, and this stuff obviously applies to both men and women. Of course, there are some, some differences, but there's probably more similarities than there are differences. So we talk about that. We talk about stem cell therapy. We talk about hormone therapy. Um, and I think it's it's interesting because she talks about how she, of course, does a lot more for her clients than just, you know, I don't know, making their skin look nice. But it's this idea that sort of addressing health through these, quote unquote, sexier or more fun topics like um, skin health, like looking good, like sexual health, it kind of is a gateway into this deeper understanding of real health and what that means to each of us. Um, so I thought that was cool. And and for somebody who does a lot of work in the anti-aging field, I think it's also kind of a cool conversation to have that it's not about pretending that we are getting older or that we aren't getting older, right? Like this is an inevitability. We're all getting older. That's fine. Let's stop pretending that that you know, is going to happen. Um, let's stop trying to avoid it. And instead, let's look at some of those things that we think are inevitable about aging, which is, you know, sort of chronic pain or low energy or low libido um, or dull, lifeless skin or whatever it is that we're worried about, that we think this is what happens when you get old. It doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Uh, anybody who has seen, you know, the Marxists of the world knows that you can look pretty damn good into your 60s and beyond. Um, we don't have to kind of give up because we're not 25 anymore, thankfully. So that's what we're talking about today. It's awesome. So much fun chatting with Amy. Always, I highly recommend that you follow her on Instagram. Check her out to learn more. Um, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Stay tuned um, to the end. We're going to talk about some of the sponsors and what's coming up next week. Um, but that's it. I hope you enjoy my interview with the amazing Dr. Amy Killen. All right, Dr. Amy Killen, thank you for being here. I'm excited. I am very, very excited to talk to you. First of all, how, uh, how is life? How is, um, you know, current state of affairs uh, treating you these days? You know, it's obviously been a stressful time, but I feel fortunate. I live in Utah, so I have a lot of opportunities to get outside and go hiking and biking and, you know, do things like that with my family. So as, as bad as they are out in the world, I feel lucky kind of to be where I am. 
Yeah. How is, uh, how's work being affected? Like I know currently sort of the, at the time we're speaking, there are some loosening restrictions and things are different from state to state and place to place, but how, how has work, I guess, been affected and how is it going right now? Yeah, so we have, I have two offices that I work out of, two clinics, and we definitely shut down, you know, both of them for a period of time. And then a few weeks ago, we had kind of a gentle openings, as I call it. So we're starting to see some patients in person versus doing telemedicine for others. Um, at the stem cell office up in Park City, where I work with Dr. Adelson, we closed down completely because our patients are coming in from out of state or out of the country, a lot of them. Um, but we're back open again and, and seeing patients. So it's, uh, we have to be very careful. We have to wear masks, check temperatures every day. You know, there's a whole new um, protocol for seeing patients, but, but I think it's going okay considering. Mm -hmm. So in, in some of your uh, descriptions online of what you do, you know, some of the words are, well, the ones that I, I pay attention to are sex and skin and stem cells. So all three S's, the most important ones. Um, but before I kind of like dive in and ask you some questions that I have, can you just tell our listeners um, in your words what you do? Yeah, I, I talk about doing skin and sex and being uh, using regenerative medicine and integrative medicine uh, techniques to kind of improve those things. But really, it's it's in general about improving health. It's about bio-optimization and longevity. And, you know, skin and sex are, are easy, kind of fun things to talk about. Um, but if we can get those two things dialed in, really means you're actually a pretty healthy person. So they're kind of like entry points into creating health in general. Um, my background is emergency medicine, so I'm a medical doctor. I was an ER doctor for about 10 years, and I trans transitioned out of that um, about eight years ago after I kind of got fed up of, of the, um, the health problems that I was having, as well as the patients that I was seeing, you know, over and over again with chronic medical problems that I wasn't actually doing anything for because I didn't have the tools or the time. Um, so that's kind of my story. So I use, I do stem cells. I use, you know, all different kinds of other things, hormone therapy, light-based therapies, lasers, all these kinds of different things to try to improve skin and sex. But I'm also very interested in longevity and just being healthier. Cool. Yeah, it's an interesting, this is kind of an interesting aside, but as you, you mentioned, you know, when you were doing um, uh, the other kind of medical work that you were doing and how that was maybe having an effect on your health, um, it's such an interesting and sort of sad concept. You know, obviously my husband uh, being uh, in the military and sort of like first responders, and there's so many people in my life I know that are doing such important work that needs to be done and having you know, suffering such ill health effects as a result. And it's so hard. Like a lot of times, you know, first responders are people who are working crazy shifts or weird hours or just the level of stress that they're experiencing from their job. And it's like, we need these people. And really, we need these people to be as healthy as possible. And they're the ones that are oftentimes suffering the most um, from every form of health, whether it's mental, physical relationships, all of that stuff, just because of the nature of their work. And it's such a, it's such an interesting kind of paradox that, that these are the people who are caring for our health that are suffering their own kind of effects. So, I mean, it's kind of, and it's, it's interesting, I think that you sort of recognize that really, like, obviously you're a, a very um, ambitious type A person and you were doing really important work, but, but to recognize maybe that you needed to do a, a switch for your own health and your own ability to kind of help people is pretty incredible. Yeah, you're, I mean, the people who were, like you mentioned, the people who are the ER nurses and doctors, people who are working overnight shifts, the paramedics, those kind of people, the, the stress is obviously really high. So that's one component. And we obviously all know how bad stress is for everything. Um, and then also the working overnight and the never, you know, never really getting good sleep patterns and your messed up circadian rhythms. We know that that, you know, alone is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease on par with smoking. Um, so I did, you know, I did that for 10 years. But, but for me, I had, ended up having three kids within two years. And so I had all these like children and I was still working full-time and my shift was early in the morning and after a while I just realized like I was not I was not a, a fun person to be around I was not a happy person and I uh, kind of got to the end of my road but I, I think it's it's really difficult because some people you know it's hard to just change your career um, even if you want to which not everyone does but even if you do you can't just like drop it and and be like I'm out <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. so yeah so Going back to sort of the anti-aging part of, of what you do these days, because I think that's something that we're all interested in, no matter what uh, stage in our life we're at. Um, before I kind of ask any specific questions, can you just talk about from your perspective, like what anti-aging actually means? Yeah, I think that the, the, the word anti-aging kind of has a bad rap because it's been used so much in like, you know, random skincare products that promise to, you know, make you look like you're 20 again and all those yeah. kind of 
No. So I kind of hate to even say anti-aging, but I, you know, the idea is, is treating aging like it's a disease that we can actually fight against and using all the tools that we have within our arsenal and as including, you know, kind of up and coming tools to try to fight that. So, you know, we know that, uh, and people like David Sinclair, who obviously everyone, everyone knows about, I think at this point, <laughs> um, you know, talks about aging is a disease and that if we can actually stop um, aging or, or slow it down, then we're actually going to be preventing a lot of other diseases and illnesses. So, you know, that's using everything from, from lifestyle changes, diet, exercise, how we eat, what we eat, um, to making sure our hormones are in the right place, to then also looking at, you know, emerging therapies and drug therapies and, you know, all these things that are out there that maybe aren't necessarily available widely yet, but they're, they're coming um, and just kind of getting excited about those things. Yeah, I think it's it's almost like a semantics thing too with the anti-aging kind of um, trend or, or word too because it's it's not so much like that we're trying to and maybe th this is just my opinion but it's not like we're really trying to eradicate aging so much as what we consider to be normal aging so the kinds of things that just like we're constantly a little creaky and aches and pains and we have to look a certain way and our hormones are going to mean that we have to gain this kind of weight or we have to feel this sort of way you know it's the it's the way we look at aging i think um right. and then having these examples coming out more and more of people who are defying what we consider to be normal aging and um and and proving that it doesn't have to come with all of these negative uh, outcomes that we expect, I think is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So the work that you're doing in terms of, I mean, I guess just the work that you're doing in general, can you walk us through like what, what the bulk of your work when you're dealing with clients actually is, is a lot of it um, sort of consultations and learning about what their challenges are and then advising on like lifestyle stuff too, or is it, are you doing, you know, peptide stuff all day? Like talk to us about like what, what your day looks like. Yeah. It's, so I have two different practices. Um, I'm the medical director of one practice and in that practice, we're kind of integrated medicine practice. So we do a lot of hormone patients. We do a lot of lifestyle medicine. Um, I don't, I'm not taking any new patients there. I have a great staff and, and uh, physician assistants and things that help with those patients. We have people, people who come in and we'll follow them, you know, long-term um, sort of just modifying all different things, supplements, all of that. Um, so I'm, I'm involved in that practice, but I'm not actually seeing those patients day to day anymore. Um, I do see patients um, more regularly now at the stem cell practice where we do regenerative medicine up in Park City. Um, and I do stem cell procedures and regenerative procedures uh, primarily for skin, hair, and, and sexual optimization. So um, those are basically patients who are coming in from really all over the world at this point. And they fly in and we do this two or three hour procedure where we use their stem cells, we use exosomes, we use um, various other things and basically uh, do a single procedure, inject all different parts of the body, and then they end up going home. Um, and I don't follow them, you know, we, we check in on them, but we don't, I don't follow them as long-term um, as that. But then I have sort of my sort of side, side gig where I'm just, you know, always kind of learning about what's going on and, and teaching myself just in case there's, you know, a good reason to use it. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what's, what are the main demographics of your clients? Like, is it in terms of men and women and age? And, and then also, I guess, the specific issues that they're looking to address? Because I know a big part of it is the sexual health part, right? Yeah, it's about 50-50 or maybe 55% men, 45% women, but it's pretty close um, uh, sex-wise. And then age-wise, about 35 to 60 or so is probably about my my average age. I get a lot of these sort of biohacker, you know, sorts that are Dave Asprey, Ben Greenfield, friends uh, and fans because we treated them and they talked about it. So we get a lot of those um, kinds of people that are pretty healthy in general and definitely interested in maintaining health. Um, some of our patients don't even have any problems. Like they'll come in and say, I actually am pretty happy with, you know, whatever, my hair or my sexual function or whatever it is, but I would like to, I'm, you know, looking to see if we can um, just stave off some of the you know, degenerative changes that happen with aging. So some patients don't have problems. Some do, you know, obviously erectile dysfunction, female sexual dysfunction, um, hair loss, you know, skin changes, things like that. We can, we're also, I also treat those things, but it's, it's mostly people who are really motivated, who are pretty well read, who watched, you know, I have patients that have come in and they're like, I've watched all of your podcasts. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> that would take a long time. But you know, people who are just very excited about the education part and being a part of something that's so new. 
Right. Yeah. And I mean, I would imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in a lot of cases, if we're talking about stem cell injections, if we're talking about peptides for for um, aesthetics and sort of like looking better and anti-aging and things like that, I would consider these procedures generally to be the it, sort of in the biohacking realm, but also in the kind of tweaking like latter stages kind of realm. Like these aren't the first interventions that you make if you're experiencing issues in any of these areas, right? Like these are pretty like next level kind of tweaking, finessing at that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I tell people that I do a lot of, you know, I do folk consults before I see anyone and, and, you know, getting, establishing a, a foundation of health is obviously the most important to start with um, and because if you're not if you don't have sort of a healthy terrain um, then putting new cells in there putting new exosomes in like nothing's going to happen they're not going to be you know it's like it's like planting seeds in a garden that is you know, where the soil is you know in bad shape so you have to start with the fundamentals you have to start with the just what you're eating and how you're exercising and your you know your uh, mind body practices uh, but once you've kind of gotten past the foundational stuff there are some people who benefit from additional therapies. Um, obviously, not everyone needs these things, and they can be expensive. So it's something that I think that you know, there's a lot you can do on your own without having to do these kind of therapies. Um, but it's also nice to be able to offer them to people who want to go to that next level. Sure. For for anybody listening who's kind of thinking like, all right, what are you even talking about stem cell therapies? Because sometimes I forget that not everyone is as much of a nerd um, as I am. In that <laughs> So can you just kind of speak um, just sort of in layman's terms on, on what exactly that technology is and, and how it works in the body? Yeah, absolutely. So, so stem cells, you know, everybody has stem cells. These are the cells that you're born with. There are different cells in every tissue in your, in your body. And they're like the master regulator cells. They're the cells that are responsible for replicating and for repairing. Um, so if you have an injury or an illness and you, you know, you have a have part of your body that gets hurt, you cut your arm, the stem cells are the ones that then go into action to create the healing response. So that happens everywhere in your body. But what happens as we get older is that our stem cells, uh, the number of stem cells we have, go down and then their activity level goes down um, which is why you know whenever I cut my shin when I'm riding my bike it takes me you know three times as long to heal now as it does my eight-year-old son who does the same thing and he's like healed in like a day like mm -hmm. he's got young kid stem cells and I've got you know older <laughs> stem cells Still young but you know <laughs> young but not as young. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah so the idea behind some of these regenerative therapies or stem cell therapies are or finding different ways to activate your stem cells to become more active like they were when you were younger. So we can do that by actually taking stem cells from one part of your body and putting it somewhere else to try to concentrate them somewhere else. Or we can do that by using kind of off the shelf uh, products that are like exosomes, which are like growth factor mixes almost um, that are from other types of stem cells from like umbilical cord stem cells. Um, there's all different types of ways we could do this, but the whole idea is, is creating a signal that tells your stem cells that are in your body to kind of to kind of get back into action to stop being so lazy to start creating tissue wherever that is whether that's skin or hair or joints or or wherever and how long do these uh these um i don't know what the word is whatever the whatever you're doing how long does the effect last i suppose because it's yeah. one of those things it's like we're talking about botox or whatever where it's like the slippery slope where once you do it you kind of feel like you want to constantly be doing it because when you notice the effects and yeah. then, you know, it goes away. So, so how, how long does this stuff last in people generally? It depends on what you're doing it for. So for instance, my partner, Dr. Adelson, he does a lot of stem cell therapy for musculoskeletal pain. So for instance, you've got knee pain, maybe you had some, you had some kind of injury, you've had pain for a long time. And if you get stem cell injections into that knee and they can help repair that knee, then, you know, maybe it lasts forever. Like maybe that knee is just good because you've repaired the issue. Um, versus with me, I do a lot of like, you know, cosmetic stem cells, for instance, um, where we're injecting into the face and using microneedling. And with that, you know, we tend to see improvements for about two years, but you have to also be doing other things like staying out of the sun, because that's going to obviously cause continued aging and increase aging. Um, and using good skincare products and using, you know, red light therapy or whatever it is, because, the, you know, the more that you can do, the slower that aging is going to be and the longer you'll see the benefits of the things I can do.
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's still still a better track record than Botox, right? <laughs> the last a couple of years. <laughs> it's definitely better. It's not the same as Botox, but yeah. it is, it's a, you know, and it's uh, some people, one of the things that always irritates me, people always talk about, you know, things are better than Botox or like, they're like the new Botox, but really Botox is a very specific thing that affects just the muscles in your face and like everything else we're doing is a whole, it's a whole different thing. Um, so there's room for all of these modalities depending on what your interest is. But um, but I, I think the stem cells are great because they can, they actually in increase like you just have more more of a youthfulness so it's not necessarily like one thing it's just like all of a sudden like you have more shine and like more glow and more you know like a little bit thicker skin you know things like that that are hard to um to kind of put your finger on sometimes when you're when you're talking about what benefits there are yeah I mean but that's even better because isn't that like the best outcome is when people like look at you and they're like I can't really tell what happened here but it you look uh, good, like, you know, like that's the yeah. best thing. Instead of looking at somebody being like, oh, you just got a lot of Botox, I can tell, you know, so that's kind of a nice thing. Yeah. say is like, I'll ask them, you know, we follow up at six months or whatever. Uh, so it takes like two or three months to start seeing benefit usually. And what they say is that their friends and family, a lot of them will say like, are you like sleeping really well? Because you look so well rested or like, you look so happy these days or, you know, you're just kind of, you look really fresh. Like it's very kind of vague so sometimes kind of vague um, descriptions of just looking more healthy and well, um, which is actually, I think, fantastic. Because you, like you said, you don't want to look like you just have like a facelift in your face. Your skin right. like that. You want to look like yourself, just the best version of yourself. Yeah. And I think one of the things I'm hearing that is kind of cool about this technology is that like you hear a lot of things about when you, you use exogenous um, products. So if it's anything from like hormones to, you know, people who are using like melatonin or I don't know, testosterone when they're young for um, non-medical reasons and things like when you're bringing in exogenous forces, those can sometimes turn off your um, inner ability to produce these hormones or to produce the kind of effect that you want. But it seems like what you're saying is with this, it's actually encouraging your body's own processes and allowing you to do a better job as well, which is great, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what, that's, you totally nailed it. And that's something that I think is different. Um, when you look at, you know, for instance, I treat a lot of men with erectile dysfunction and, and, you know, we have drugs for that, right? We have Viagra that works for 70, 80% of people, um, which, you know, is, is great, but it, it doesn't actually fix the problem. It doesn't actually promote regeneration of the blood vessels and the nerves and the, the cells that are in the penis. It just basically, it changes the physiology of your body for a few hours um, and makes things work in a different way, but then it always goes back. So what we're trying to do with these therapies, whether, you know, whatever we're treating is actually regenerate that tissue or actually, um, you know, re- grow almost um that tissue in a way that is just it becomes more youthful in the way it acts and the way it looks Mm -hmm. so when you're dealing with uh either sexual dysfunction or just trying to improve people's sexual experience or feeling or any of those things you're dealing with men and women um and we have a lot of physiologically a lot of kind of things in common in terms of trying to maybe increase like blood flow or, or things like that but obviously our equipment's different. So how are you, uh, how are you approaching the, that same issue in the two genders kind of differently? How do you approach it? Yeah, you're, you're right there. So there are certain therapies that we can use that are similar for both sexes um, that we're, you know, I can use like the, the stem cells or PRP or exosomes or some of these, these biologics I can inject, you know, into both men or women. So I can inject it into the penis, I can inject it into the clitoris, the anterior vaginal wall. Um, so, you know, just basically the anatomy is different, but the way that the way these things work is pretty similar um, where we're going to get increased blood flow, increased sensation, you know, potentially nerve regeneration. Um, and then there are some things that are a little bit more specific to men and men versus women um, with uh, people who have vaginal tissue we can do things like uh, lasers you know laser, lasers or radio frequency treatments uh, to help tighten the areas or help improve um, lubrication or sensation or um, or even improve stress urinary incontinence which is which is when you like cough or sneeze and you kind of pee a little bit <laughs> or you jump you know which is super common and you know there's haven't, haven't been great ways to treat it except for surgery until now so we've actually got some really great non-invasive tools for uh, for people who have that. Um, and then for, for men, we're using a lot of shockwave therapy, um, although we can use that in women as well, but shockwave therapy uses um, sound waves. And basically it's just a, it's a, 
uh, we just treat the area um, with this little machine that's again non-invasive and it, over time it stimulates blood um, blood vessel formation and nitric oxide release and stem cell recruitment and all these and it can help um, improve erection so and then of course hormone balancing and, and such is going to be very different depending on um, on 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 who we're treating. Um, but those are some of the sort of fancier, fun things that I guess you use. Mm -hmm. So when we, we talked about this a little bit when we were together the other year, last year, I guess it was in Montana, we went on a nice um, hike up a mountain and ended up talking about some interesting, a lot of interesting topics, to be honest. Yeah. That's like a whole yeah. other story. But I think one of the things that's interesting, and you can tell me since you've had so much more experience with this, if this is a generalization um, based on kind of, I feel like gender stereotypes, but it seems like very often when it comes to um, like lack of sexual desire or interest on the female side, a lot of it tends to be more of a mental thing necessarily than like a, a real physical issue. And maybe those are related to each other. So maybe if, you, if you're sort of mentally not in the right place, that's gonna manifest itself physically and sometimes the other way around as well. Um, but is it, is it a more complicated um, process for women when so often maybe they're coming in and saying, look, I just need some help with like some lubrication or like just sort me out with like whatever. And there's actually, way more um, deeper uh, issues kind of at play. Is, is that something that you find? And, and do you also find it with men too? Or, or talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I find it with both sexes, but certainly with women, I feel like it's, um, it's much trickier, which is why we have, you know, we have Viagra for men because all it does is increase blood flow, which is, which is really what you're looking for uh, with men. But for women, Viagra, it does increase the blood flow, but it doesn't actually create, you know, it doesn't create the same experience for women. Um, so it's been really tricky for to find good drugs for women because it is pretty you know, it's complex for both but I hate to say that it's more complex for women but it kind of is like it there's there's a, a, um, a discordance between sort of what the brain is thinking and wanting and what the, the physical sort of genitalia is sort of thinking and wanting and and sometimes you can have a brain that's excited and the, and the nether regions are not and the other times you can have you know the opposite is true so you kind of have to have both for women and um, so so it is more difficult to treat and I think it's one of the reasons why we haven't seen as many successful um, um, pharmacological, you know, interventions for women as we have for men. Mm. So if I were to come to you and this was the, the subject, this was the issue that I was having, it was maybe just lack of, I don't know, because I, I again, there's, there's so many ways you could go with this, but maybe it's like lack of sexual desire, maybe pain during sex, maybe just like a general feeling of like, I need some kind of something to help me get going a little bit better. How does that process work? So if I come to you as a potential client, can you kind of just walk me through the steps? Yeah, so we do a good history, you know, just kind of see what's going on, um, do a good physical exam, make sure there's not anything obviously structural going on. Now, I'm not an, I'm not an OBGYN, so if, it, if you have actual pathology, then I send you to the OBGYN. So, same thing with a, with a actual sort of uh, men with, with pathology, they go to the urologist, because uh, my treatment approach is really a lot more integrative and holistic and regenerative. Um, but so we start with those things. Oftentimes, I'll get hormones, especially if there's someone over you know, 35 or so, uh, we'll make sure that the testosterone, for instance, is not too low or, or estrogen and progesterone are not out of balance or things like that. Cortisol is a big one, as you know, because um, if you have too much cortisol for a long period of time, it actually can affect your ability to, to, um, to make and, and use testosterone. So you can have a you know, huge blunting of sexual response uh, if you're just super stressed, which I think like most of us are. So that's a big one. Um, obviously there are other components to it that I don't specialize in, but if I get the, I, you know, if I, when I hear the story, if it sounds like, well, maybe you have relationship problems, you know, maybe you just don't like your partner. Maybe, you know, maybe there's some spiritual problems or, conf, you know, conflictions. Like I have a lot of patients who grew up really religious and they have not ever gotten over the idea that, you know, that sex is bad or touching myself is bad or learning about my body is bad. And because of those sort of ideas that were implanted in them, when they were little, they haven't actually been able to, you know, to, to enjoy themselves as adults. So some of those things I'll, I'll send up to a, like a sex therapist because I'm not that person. Um, but, and then if we can figure out if it's mostly, we think a physical kind of like, maybe you're just not getting blood flow or the sensitivity is not there. Then we can talk about, you know, whether there are procedures or lasers or things like that that can be helpful. But, you know, you start out with like big picture, well, sexual health, you know, encompasses a lot of different types of health from physical to spiritual, emotional, mental, environmental, you know, all of those things. And then you filter it down. And then if it's mostly just physical, then we can talk about procedures.
Mm -hmm. And I guess if you get the sex part sorted out, then the skin part just happens because, you know, people always have like nice glowing skin. (laughs) It's a thing, right? Like people don't just make that up. Like people are like, oh, you're glowing or like, oh, you like look so great since you got that new boyfriend. Cause it's like, you know, like stuff just being taken care of. Is there any, is there any like sort of actual medical science behind that? Like if you're having a lot of good sex, it's like good for your skin. I mean, there are definitely a lot of good hormones that are released during sex that, you know, that make us help us sleep better, help our stress, help our blood pressure, you know, help our immune system function better. Um, You know, it's changing immune, uh, like IgA levels go up with sex. You know, there's all these things that sex does that affect our bodies in positive ways. And of course, we also know that all of those things are going to affect our skin in positive ways. So I think it makes total sense. I haven't actually seen studies, the other direct studies, but it makes total sense that if you are feeling better, happier, sleeping better, less stress, you know, just having a better time that your skin um, is going to show that. Yeah. And there's got to be some kind of component of like the sexual health anti-aging thing too, right? Because I would imagine that having, obviously it goes back to having good relationships too, which is a, a massive aspect in how you age is having a good community and relationships, the people that are close to you. But if you have this sort of robust, healthy sex life, that's got to for the same reason that you just said, like the hormones that are being released and the the processes that are going on in your body, and then you're going to sleep better and all of these things. It's like this wonderful kind of cumulative effect that's going to help with the anti-aging if you're, if you're sort of that. Absolutely. And there have been studies, you know, in men, they've shown that, that men who have sex frequently or, you know, at least once a, once a week or so, once every two weeks, they have a lower risk of cardiovascular disease. Actually, in one study had a lower risk of all cause mortality at 10, at at 10 years by about 50% less. Um, Obviously there's a lot of factors that are looking, they're going into that. Um, There's a study in women that showed that women who have more active sex lives have longer telomeres, uh, which is, as we know, one of the big, sort of longevity um, words these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of, out, of it out there, but also it's hard to study because you, you know also the people who are healthier are also having more sex. So like what's, you know, it's a kind of a chicken and egg thing, right? Um, right. But I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. I think, it's, I think it's an important part of health that a lot of us don't talk about and, and people are still kind of nervous about it and they get kind of, some people get kind of angry about it. It's funny, I was giving a talk at, um, in Italy a couple of years ago at the Mind Valley and they, they recorded it and I put it on YouTube afterwards. And it got, you know, hundreds of thousands of views, but there are thousands of comments. And a lot of them were just people who were like screaming obscenities at me. Like, you're a nymphomaniac, you're a prude, you're a slut, you're, you know, you're whatever. Like just all these things. I was like, if I had given the same talk about like cardiovascular health or joint health or brain health, like there'd be some haters out there, but not nearly as many as me talking about sexual health um, because people just get like, they're just, it makes them like kind of, you know, stressful or (laughs) makes people nervous a little bit. Okay, everybody, just a few minutes to tell you about Ancestral Supplements. Has there ever been a company that speaks more to my soul? I don't think so. These guys are very on board with the nose-to-tail movement, which, as you know, is something I'm quite passionate about. The concept that eating the whole animal guts and all, is the healthiest and most sustainable, natural way to do things. Um, They also know that maybe it isn't the most practical thing in the world to eat kidney and brains and liver all day. So although I'm trying to get you to eat (laughs) the real stuff as much as possible, and I think they would agree that that is the most healthy way to do it, the the natural, less processed version, they have conveniently put together these desiccated uh, pill, basically animal superfoods in pill form for you, Um, all grass fed, you know, just for those of you who aren't exactly ready to eat a tongue sandwich yet. And no, that's not me being nerdy. I literally made a buffalo tongue sandwich the other day and it was delicious, okay? But I'm, I'm getting off track. Anyway, they have a huge range of offerings. They have uh, products like beef liver, beef heart, kidney, bone marrow, tallow, collagen, uh, even some stranger things like lung and trachea. And honestly, I could just keep naming organs, but I think you get the point. I'm one of those people who actually eats the stuff, the real organ meat, but when I'm not eating it due to either lack of availability or time or convenience, if I'm traveling, all of these things, I am supplementing with these products. And look, I'm knocking on wood here, but I haven't had a cold in years. I enjoy pretty robust health. My blood markers are good. And I believe that that is in part due to my very nutrient dense diet uh, that features a lot of animal products. So 
If you want to give their stuff a try, go ahead, tell them I sent you. Seriously, if you send them an email or message them on social media, they will get right back to you and answer your questions. They're awesome like that. So go check them out on Instagram at uh, Ancestral Supplements. The website, of course, is ancestralsupplements.com. I'm going to put all of this in the show notes for you. Um, and as always, the discount code for my friends is Muscle Maven. I recommend starting uh, with either the beef organs complex or the beef liver because you're just going to get the most bang for your buck nutritionally, but they have all kinds of options that can, that may help address specific challenges or imbalances you're dealing with. So go on the website and kind of do your own research, check things out. But uh, I encourage you to jump on the meathead bandwagon with me uh, and just uh, give them a shot. Let me know what you think. And uh, that's it. Now back to this amazing interview I just interrupted. Yeah, I mean, we all know, and of course, like it's different from culture to culture and place to place how people uh, are, are, how comfortable people are talking about sex. But um, it is interesting that that is sort of one area that people, well, you know, it's not the only area. Because I think too, like when people feel personally challenged or if they're being, you know, if they're, they're hearing something and they're feeling like, yeah, this is actually something I'm dealing with and I'm kind of defensive about it or I don't know how to deal with it yet. Because you get that with, um, with diet too. Like people will be surprisingly judgmental and angry and um, combative when people are talking about different diet methodologies. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's, you know, just figure out what works for you and kind of don't get too worked up over what works for other people. But if people feel like they're being personally attacked or judged by something you're doing, it's like that natural kind of knee-jerk reaction that they're like, well, you're the one who's wrong and you're doing something gross and weird. But um, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of unfortunate, but I mean, I suppose, you know, you didn't get into this uh, line of work to be popular on the internet <laughs> so right, no, it wasn't to, I mean honestly to me I just laughed I was like what like what are these people that have like I just don't understand um because it wasn't me telling them like like you know like what positions to use right no, it was it was really like about like blood flow and like nerves and like super not sexy <laughs> sexy subjects <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta go out on a limb here and imagine that most of the people who are really angry at you probably aren't having the best sex life because if they were I can't see why they would get that bent out of shape over yeah. you talking about blood flow, but anyway, that's very interesting. Um, okay, so I want to kind of talk more about the skincare part of it too, because as a woman in her 30s, this is something very interesting to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess first, before we talk about like some of the more like intense stuff that you do, is there anything from a general sort of good skincare, good health uh, perspective that we're like missing that like us normal average people um are missing like what should we be doing is it just to drink water and eat I think most people know the, the basics they know that definitely yeah drink water yes but avoid the sun at least on the parts of your body that you don't want to age as quickly and i get into you know i've talked a lot of discussions with people who are very pro sun and i i love the sun like i love to be in the sun uh, there's obviously a lot of benefits to the sun itself but as far as skin aging goes, photo aging, UV radiation um, is the number one cause of skin aging. So when you think about your face and your neck and your hands, the things that are going to be in the sun a lot, um, putting some sunblock on like every day. And sunblock is going to be, you know, like a mineral sunblock, like a zinc oxide, titanium oxide, which is just a barrier layer, just actually protecting your skin. I like those better than the sunscreens. Sunscreens are going to be the chemicals that can get absorbed. And that's where we worry about the coral reefs and the, you know, all of the controversies. So sunblock every day and you're at least on your face and neck. Um, if you want to get sun, do it in a way that is, is um, safe, maybe 10 or 15, 20 minutes on other parts of your body. For the benefits of that for the vitamin d etc mm -hmm. um retinols i'm a big fan of so retinol is the over-the-counter version retinoids or treatinoids are the prescription version but there's so much science um, behind retinols um which is a vitamin a derivative and and the fact that it really helps with all different things from you know decreasing wrinkles to helping with pigmentation and acne and and glow and all of that so just a, you know good daily retinol as part of your uh, evening routine i think is important uh, and then of course other things exercise we everyone you know there's a huge benefit to skin for exercising. Um, same thing with obviously a healthy diet and making sure you're getting fruits and vegetables and all the things that we know are good for our skin. Um, those are kind of the main things I think about. And then avoiding, you know, some of the different toxins and such that are in skin products. I like to use, you know, relatively natural products or things that are at least not, you know, in the sort of um, the really bad category. You can go to the Environmental Working Group uh, website and look at some of those um, sort of top 10 um, worst 
chemicals and skincare and try to avoid those things. Okay. Do you have any high level tips for picking out a retinol product? Like I, yeah, I know there are a lot of websites that can kind of speak to it, but I've, I've actually looked into this myself too, because I'm, I love a good skincare routine. Like I just think it's fun, right? It's like this fun ritual at night. I get to put on my mask or put on my whatever. And of course I'm reading about this retinol thing and I haven't really gotten too deep into it because there are a billion products and I don't know. And then there's like these kind of, um, caveats that like, if you use it too much, it can be potentially irritating. And then you have to really be extra careful about going out in the sun. And so I'm just like, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know where to go. So yeah. Do you have any sort of general tips? Yeah. I, mean, so I would start with a pretty low uh, concentration. If you're going to do it like 0.5% or, or something, you know, even lower than that, um, that, that because the lower concentrations are going to cause less side effects. The side effects that we see most commonly are irritation of the skin, um, you know, redness, flaking, things like that, because you're basically causing cell turnover um, and you're, you're, you're getting newer, fresher skin, but it can have some side effects. So if you're going to do that, maybe start with just using it a few times a week, like three times a week, four times a week, um, and or mist, uh, mixing it with a moisturizer that doesn't have retinol in it and that will help dilute it a little bit and you can also do that and you know do that for a few weeks and then you can start you know applying it more often um, and then eventually get up to doing it every night before bed it's usually an evening thing that you want to put on before you go to bed and then you just wash it off in the morning um, and then if you know if it's still if it's not quite strong enough or you really want better effects then you can go to some of the prescription products or the things that you get in you know in dermatologist's office or, or even med spas that have the, the retinoids or the treatinoids which are the same class but they're just a little bit stronger and, um, you know, and there's some great products out there that you can get with those as well. Okay. What are some of the, let's walk through some of the fun procedures. If I want to come to you and start Benjamin buttoning myself, uh, <laughs> what, are, what, what would you suggest? I mean, you're looking at me, obviously we're not that close together. We're, we're, you know, doing this digitally. I've got some makeup on, but if I'm coming to you and I'm like, look, I'm in my mid thirties, I want to be proactive. I want to deal with fine lines. I want to have good like skin sort of like the turnover. I want to just look dewy and fresh. What, what would you recommend for me? Well, first of all, you do look dewy and fresh, so I don't even know that. <laughs> I wouldn't I'm even say it. I know, I'm red for some reason. My light is like red on my face. Um, but for someone who's pretty young, something like um, like a microneedling routine or a derma rolling routine is just a great place to start. Like you don't necessarily need to do a bunch of other stuff probably, but that's something that you could do every few months, uh, maybe every three or four months, do some microneedling. Um, I like to do microneedling, as you probably know, this little machine that I have that has little needles that just go up and down really quickly. They go into your skin about one to two millimeters. And so it's a nice way to induce collagen uh, production and you can also apply topicals afterwards and then you can get really good absorption of topicals. So doing some microneedling, maybe adding some PRP to it if you're going to the doctor, doctor's office um, a few times a year, it would be great to just keep that flow that you already have on your skin. Um, and then good skincare and sunblock is, is great for you. You know, when you start getting a little bit older or if you start noticing any sort of aging signs, then maybe some upkeep things like, um, like radio frequency um, treatments or a non-ablative laser, which is again, a kind of a skin tightening um, that's a kind of mild uh, tightening procedure that you can do in the office. Um, and then, you know, as you get older, uh, things like old therapy or thermage, which I actually don't do in my office, but those are going to be deeper tightening or radiofrequency microneedling, again, deeper tightening procedures that are more painful, maybe a little bit more downtime for some of them, but you also have, you know, longer uh, benefits and, and such. And then you also could do any time during that, um, you can do things like the stem cell procedures or the exosomes, which just are similar to microneedling uh, or just injections, but just a little bit of kind of increased improvement in skin health overall. But, you know, for someone like you, I think just a few basic things is going to keep you looking the way that you look. What do you think about people doing at home microneedling. Cause you know, you can buy these like little rollers, like the little baby needle rollers. And I've, I've read before from both sides that are like, if you pay attention, you're not going too hard and you, whatever, it's great. It's doing the same thing you can do at a, like a clinic or an office. And then a lot of people who are saying like, do not do this by yourself. Cause you're not going to do it right. And you're going to hurt yourself and it's not good for you. And they're dirty and all this stuff. So what do you think about people doing it at home? Yeah, I, I'm actually a fan of it. I have a couple of videos I just put up on Instagram, actually, a series about derma rolling at home. Because I, if, if you go with the lower depths, if you don't want to go very deep at home, you don't want to be bleeding at home, you don't want to have like Kim Kardashian blood face you yes. know, situation, like that's not your goal. But just to kind of pink up your skin and help to deliver topicals, I like 
the home dermarolling a lot, you do have to be careful in that you want to make sure you're cleaning your device. So, you know, you're using alcohol and you're letting it sit and you're cleaning it and you're not like swapping with your friends, you know, like common sense. These are needles you're putting in your face. Um, so, but something in the 0.25, maybe even up to 0.5 range, millimeter range is, is fine for home. And you can do that a few times a week, even if you want to. Um, and then you always want to apply a good topical afterwards. So something like a vitamin C or hyaluronic acid or a growth factor serum of some sort. Because what you're doing with the needling is you're actually creating these little channels that basically are like, are like invitations to put something into the deeper layers of your skin. Mm -hmm. So when you create the channels, you put a great serum on, all of a sudden it gets sucked into your skin in a way that it doesn't usually, and you're having the benefit of that serum um, that's a lot stronger. Uh, but then if you wanna do a more, I guess, sort of a deeper treatment, you do need to go into your doctor. And that, you know, that's where something like a one millimeter, two millimeter, something like that, where you're actually maybe getting a little bit of pinpoint bleeding and such. Um, it's gonna be a deeper treatment, it's gonna be a better treatment, but you don't wanna do that at home. You wanna do that with someone who knows what they're doing, um, who has very sterile, you know, single-use instruments, and has some good topicals to put on afterwards. I think I'm going to um, start a rock band, and I'm going to call it Kim Kardashian Bloodface. <laughs> I love that term. That's good. Um, yeah, I love that. Okay. Yeah, she she kind of popularized the vampire facial years ago, but her, I'm sure you saw the pictures of her. Like, yes. Bloody. That like, fully turned me like off that. from doing those things because it looks so terrifying. Like I and, and I understand what is happening, but I still like I'm still not at the point where I want to do something that that that's good for my skin. That's gonna make me look terrifying and have to hide for like three to four days. Like that just it was totally off putting. But is some of that deeper micro needling that we would do, um, sort of in an office or in a, in a clinic? Is that what that is? Like is that what? What that's, that's too deep. I mean, you're never like you're not getting. I never have patients leaving my office with blood running down their face. Like that's just ridiculous. Like, I will sometimes go deep enough where I get what's called pinpoint bleeding, where like I'll get a couple of little tiny spots of blood, but then as soon as I apply the PRP or the exosomes or whatever it is to it, like all it, it all goes away, and their face is just really bright red. Um, mm -hmm. So you don't, you're not ever creating like a bloodbath on someone's yeah. face like that. Um, and really, it's a, it's a you can you can do pretty pretty sort of moderate treatments where you're just kind of, you know, maybe pink for a day or two. Um, and there's not actually downtime afterwards aside from that. And, you know, I love it because after a few days, your face is just like, it is like, it is like, we keep saying glowing, but it actually yeah. is like glowing. And what I like to do actually, here's a pro tip for you. If you'd like one, yes. pro tip is I like to do a derma roller treatment on myself at home, like a 0.25, like a really like, you know, simple one like in the morning or uh, before I have to do an interview, like an on-camera interview, or, you know, if I'm going to some kind of event of some sort, and I really want to look a little bit kind of plump and like a little bit more youthful, but obviously nothing dramatic, then I will do that on myself. And it, it does, it makes a difference. It's, it's nice. It kind of just gives me a little tiny bit of, I should have done it today, actually. I did That's it. what I'm saying. I'm like, why did I do that this morning? Okay. Why did you do it? Um, so I like to do that. Like just have it at home and, um, and just kind of, you know, give your skin some lift before you have to go to do something that's important like that. Yeah. What do you think about um, some of these more like mild, nice at home things like gua sha or like, you know, the rollers, like the cold, like jade rollers that everybody has, like stuff that's supposed to be doing like lymphatic drainage. Is that a thing? Does that work? Does that do anything? I mean, lymphatic drainage is a thing if you know how to do it. Like it's lymphatic drainage and promoting lymphatic drainage is not just rolling your face. Like you have to actually know where the lymph nodes are and like where, yeah, there's different. Right. And I, I've, I've learned it and I always forget it. But basically you're, you're going different directions and you're promoting the drainage. And, and certainly for people who have, especially if you have like a swollen face when you wake up because you had too much salt yesterday or, you know, whatever it was, too much alcohol last night, um, then kind of, you know, helping to get rid of some of that, that edema, that swelling with, with, the, with, the, with the rollers can help. I don't know that there are other significant benefits for something like jade rollers and all the various other kinds of rollers but you know rolling something cold on your face if it's swollen can help the swelling yeah. um, especially around the eyes certainly um they're not going to hurt you so if it makes you feel good and you like it then you know certainly go for it yeah this conversation is interesting to me because i i love obviously talking about anything that's like sort of healthy but also going to help you aesthetically right like everybody wants to have beautiful skin and, and play with all of these different kind of things to look better and feel better and i think there is still sort of speaking back about the sex part and how that's kind of taboo there is still like a little bit of taboo stuff when we're talking about um like interventions for anti-aging or things that people are doing to their faces and especially for women right like it's that whole and that it's starting 
starting to change a little bit, but there's the whole like, I'm going to get Botox, but I don't want anybody to know that I got Botox and people getting fillers everywhere and all kinds of stuff. And we know that these things go through trends and phases. And sometimes people want fuller eyebrows and sometimes people want fuller lips and people are changing their everything to look like, again, Kim Kardashian blood face. Like everyone's kind of like, it's going in and out, right? But, and I don't really want to speak to sort of the morality or like the, the, even the sort of mental side of like, should we all be trying to change our faces this much? Because we all have different, um, I think, opinions on like what's either acceptable or healthy or too much or whatever, right? Like I have my own opinions of what I think about people injecting stuff into their faces or how much is too much or whatever. We've all got our own opinions. There's kind of no point really delving into that. But do you find that people are coming to you right now with maybe different expectations or different requests because they're trying to look a certain way that's being reflected um, in the media, like, are you seeing kind of changes in, in what women want and what women expect from how they look these days? Yeah, I think, when I, you know, when I first started doing this, which this part was about eight years ago or so, um, I had, I was doing just initially a lot of Botox and fillers, like that's kind of what I learned on. And it was interesting at that time, I had so many patients, like so many women who would come in and they would shell, you know, hundreds of, hundreds of dollars out for Botox, but they would always say, they'd pay in cash and they would say, I don't want my husband to know. And so I got like all these people who were, you know, kind of doing it on the slide, like didn't tell their friends, didn't tell their husband. Um, I think it's become a little bit more accepted, but what I'm seeing a lot now actually in my patient population is, is, is men and women who want to look refreshed, but don't want to look really that different or that sort of crazy. Um, so they're actually, a lot of them are, are moving away from Botox and are there, they're moving away from filler. They're more interested in some of these, um, these other sort of more, more natural, potentially uh, regenerative therapies using their own cells or their own blood or, or, you know, other lasers and things that aren't putting anything else into their system. So, I mean, I, every time I talk to someone about their skin, at, by the end of it, they've always asked me or said to me, I don't want to look crazy. Like, I don't want to look different. I don't want to have big fat lips or, you know, things like that. Um, I definitely also think that people's opinions on whether they should or shouldn't be doing things to themselves and their skin changes as they get older. You know, certainly it's super easy when you're 30 years old and you look fabulous and your face is just like, perfect to say I would never do that um, but it's a little different when you're 45 years old or 50 years old you know essentially you see all these changes you're like what's going on <laughs> this is not how I want to be um, so I try to make you know I certainly don't make any judgments on anyone whether they want to do something or don't want to do something try to offer some different options for you know kind of wherever you are in that yeah. Do you, in your experience and background, do you find, like, I know that obviously Botox is, is a relatively low risk procedure, right? Like there's always um, potential for people reacting negatively to things like this, but it's, it's a pretty low risk thing. Um, do you, have you found um, any either short or long-term um, health concerns with things like fillers? And so, cause I think, you know, I'm coming from the health and wellness world, but I also come from like a bodybuilding background and place where, you know, people are injecting themselves with all kinds of stuff and people are getting all kinds of surgeries to make themselves look enhanced. And, and it's always been kind of an interesting dichotomy for me personally, people who are uber, uber vigilant about the food that they put into their body, for example, but don't really seem overly concerned with like implants or with certain supplements that maybe they aren't really sure exactly what they're putting into their body. And it just seems like we're kind of picking and choosing what to be super strict about. Um, but, it, and, and, you know, we've, I, I've read lots of stories about like explant um, issues and people who have had problems with implants and things. And again, lots of people have them, love them, healthy, fine. Lots of people don't. Um, but have you found any kind of specific issues with things like facial fillers and plumpers and things that people are putting into their faces? So um, I haven't had, I, mean, I personally haven't seen a lot of issues. I, with Botox, I, I agree with you. I think Botox is very safe. Now, whether or not you like it or like the idea of it, I mean, there's always the potential that you could have some kind of weird reaction. But I mean, this is obviously millions of doses of, of Botox or other neurotoxins have been used over the last um, number of years. And, and aside from the possibility that you could have like an eyebrow that's like down like here, <laughs> you know, for a few weeks or, um, or, you know, something like that where you look a little crazy, there, the risks are actually very, very low of actually having something that, that hurts you, you know, long-term. Um, fillers can be something that are more dangerous. So I think that if you're, if you're planning on getting a filler of some sort, which is like hyaluronic acid or something like that, um, 
um, which is usually used for plumping. So, you know, cheeks, for instance, lips, nasolabial folds. Those, if, if they're injected into an artery or a vein, can actually have significant lasting um, effects. You can cause blindness with fillers. Um, if you get them in the wrong place, you can cause, you know, skin necrosis where you have like scarring long term. Like there, again, I've never had any patients have those things and they're not, it's not common, but it's, it's something that you definitely don't want to go to like, you know, the, the random like store down the street where with some sketchy people who work there um, to, get, to get fillers injected. Um, Botox, you know, obviously still wouldn't do that, but you, you're not going to probably get hurt with Botox. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think as far as, I don't think we know long-term. Botox has been around for forever and it hasn't shown, we haven't really seen any toxicity long-term. So I'm not that worried about it, but you know, I think you have a good point. If you're worried, if you're so strict in what you eat and how you exercise and your supplements and all these things, then maybe, you know, even just the anxiety of putting something like this in your face is going to be enough that's going to cause you problems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, next, the last topic that I kind of want you to dive into, because I want to keep you here all day, although actually I would love to, but I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> aware of your, your time and other things you've got to do. But I, I want to talk a little bit about peptides um, because that is something that I'm just, I'm super fascinated with. I don't know much about, I haven't experimented with, but I would like to, um, again, as somebody who's a bit of a wuss and just doesn't really want to have to deal with like injecting myself with stuff. Like I just, right. I just can't be bothered, but I I'm interested enough in some of these, these new ones that I'm, I'm hearing about all the time that are anti-aging and that are, that are, you know, helping people feel better and look better and, and all that stuff. So can you, um, just talk a little bit about maybe some of the, the bigger, anti-aging overall health um, peptides that people are talking about using, experimenting with these days? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I use peptides occasionally. I don't use them all the time, but I do like them for certain things. And I think that there's a lot of interesting work being done with peptides. So peptide is basically just a short or small protein. That's what it means. It's basically just a protein that's not super big. It's a small enough that we can, um, it's just the kind of active part of the protein. Um, so the peptides that are in use in general are things that are already being made by your body. And, you know, you already make these proteins, but scientists have figured out ways to just take the active form of the protein make a little peptide and then we, you know, can, you can inject that or you can apply it or whatever. So most commonly they're injected um, subcutaneously, which is, you know, a little insulin needle. You just you put it like in your stomach or something like that, where it's just under the skin. Um, some of the favorites out there right now that people are talking a lot about are BPC-157. That is one that is being used for all kinds of things. It's basically, a, it's, a, it's actually a peptide that's made by your, your gut uh, in real life, uh, but it's, it's helpful for healing. So it's helpful for healing, you know, things like musculoskeletal injuries, tendon injuries, you know, things like that, but also for wound healing. Um, and then there's, you know, potentially for skin repair and rejuvenation as well. So that's something that seems, it's been around for a while. It's, it's safe and it's been used by a lot of people. Uh, you just use it for a period, you know, a few weeks. Like if you have like, you know, you hurt your elbow playing tennis, then maybe you can get BPC-157 and you do some injections, you know, once or twice a day for two or three weeks and um, you may have some improvements in healing of that. Um, that's a big one. There's another peptide called GHK copper, which is big for skin. That's been around again for a long time. It's actually a, it's actually in a lot of your skincare products. So if you look at the label on your your favorite skincare creams, that's one that's probably in there. It's a it's a copper um, peptide, and it's it helps promote skin rejuvenation. You can also inject it, like inject it, you know, into your into your belly again, and has sort of systemic results potentially, but um, but it's oftentimes used just as a topical, either for hair or for the, or the face. Um, another one that's really popular right now is PT141, which is a, uh, it's actually a sexual rejuvenation enhancement uh, peptide that actually just got FDA approval at, to be a drug called Valisi, which is used for women with hypoactive uh, sexual desire disorder. So people who, you know, women who have low sex drive, this is actually a new drug that works on the brain side versus the genitalia side to try to increase interest in sex. And I've had both men and male and female patients use PT-141 who've had really good results and 
and say it worked well. The problem is it lasts, it can last like six hours. And so you can inject it and you don't really know in that like six hour time period, like when it's going to start working. So you have to be like, kind of like at home. Plan like, your date around. Yeah. You're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. When's it going to happen? <laughs> this is essentially like a tequila cocktail, but like turned into a peptide because it's working on your brain to make you horny. Is that what you're saying? Kind of like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, so that's kind of fun. I mean, all these can have, you know, that one can have side effects. You can have headaches or flushing or something like that as well. So nothing is perfect, but it's, it's the idea of being able to just really fine tune um, a, your, a response in your body to something, whether that's skin healing or, or, you know, sexual interests is I think fascinating. And we'll see a lot more of these peptides, you know, in the next few years for sure. And is it, they, they all work generally. So like, for example, if I've got my, my shoulder, that's kind of always achy and tweaky and whatever, and I'm doing this BPC 157, it's going to sort of just go everywhere, but you're going to notice it in the areas that are, that actually really need it. Is that kind of how it works? That, that's what I've, what I've read. Although some people like I know Ben Greenfield, when he talks about BPC 157, talks about, he tries to inject it kind of near, you know, whatever the area of concern is thinking that, you know, like if it's closer to it, then maybe it works better. Um, I don't know if that really works any better than just injecting it generally or not. Uh, there are also, you know, quite a number of growth hormone, um, you know, secreting or um, secretagogues, essentially promoting growth hormone secretion of, of peptides that are also used in that, you know, because that can, those can potentially improve all kinds of different things. But um, the, the problem with peptides and the reason why I'm a little bit nervous about telling patients about them or people about them is that you can get a lot of these at, from these um, sort of experimental labs or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, not for human <laughs> consumption labs uh, online and you can get them and they can even show you how to mix them up and this and that. But A, you don't know what you're getting necessarily because these, these labs are like, they're labeled as not for human consumption. So, you know, a lot of them, you know, maybe they're great, but we don't know if they're sterile enough. We don't know if they actually have what they say is in there. Um, there are a couple of, of good labs that I that I've used that I trust that you have to go through a doctor to get the you know to get a prescription. And so if you're going to do peptides, I highly recommend using you know going through a physician or a practitioner, not just kind of going out on your own. As much as it's you know as much fun as that is, because I I've tried it before myself, but it's it's not the best way because you just have no idea what you're getting and you have no idea what your side effects could be if it's you know if it's not right for you. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I'm like, I feel like this is one of these really weird emerging areas of, of biohacking and science that is still, it's like a little bit wild, wild west because a lot of people I know are like, yeah, just use this website. Like talk to this guy, he'll sort you out. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like the best way to go about it with injectable, yeah. you know, medication essentially. Like it just seems a little bit shady, but there are still, I mean, basically any well, probably not your general like GP doctor, but like if you wanted, if you were interested in peptides for a range of issues, like what would be the, the smartest way to go about it? Like, would you have to speak to some, like a, a physician who specializes in that? Would you want to speak to a, um, a functional medicine physician? Like how would you kind of do it the right way? Yeah, um, well, you know, one good resource, and I'm not affiliated with them at all, is um, TaylorMade uh, Compounding Pharmacy, which is one of the one of the ones that I've used and I've, I've trusted them. They have a network of physicians that use their product and prescribe to them. Um, they're very knowledgeable. So one option is just go to their website, you know, figure out if you have a, if there's a provider or doctor in your area, and then you know, and then you go to see that doctor. Um, and they're also really great about you know answering questions and things like that. But so that's one way to do it. Certainly, um, certain functional medicine doctors, certain regenerative physicians um, would know about peptides, but it isn't something right now that everyone knows about. And, and frankly, it's not something that everyone's even comfortable with because we don't have a lot of data on some of these peptides that are being given, even from TaylorMade. You know, the data, and some of them was not robust. And so you have to be careful, you know, what you're getting yourselves into. Yeah, I think that's a very good uh, piece of advice, no matter what you're talking about. Yeah. Have, do your research, think about it a little bit, just be sure what you're getting yourself into before you dive in, I think is a smart yeah. way to uh, approach yeah. anything and probably a great way to um, cap off this. Uh, <laughs> so I really, I really appreciate your time. Um, is there, is there anything that you're kind of working on or doing or, or have on the go over the next like couple of months that you're excited about that you can tell us about? 
Um, I have a project that I'm working that I'm super excited about that's going to be is looking at sort of being able to use objective data to track some of the ways that we're using emerging therapies. Um, so I'm going to be eventually, hopefully in the fall, able to talk more about that. But I think that'll be something that um, once that comes out, we can talk again. Um, but until then, you know, hopefully everyone stays safe and, and uh, mentally in the right place because everyone's, I know we're going through a lot right now. And Yes. Uh, just just hang in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing kills the uh, sex drive more than just constant stress and never leaving your home. <laughs> but we're trying, we're doing the best we can. And I will say now that it's like summertime, you know, and the sun's coming out a little bit more and people are just starting, you know, any kind of change of season. I know we've got bigger issues, but like there is sort of, there's something to be said for that kind of the sun's yeah. coming out. There's an, it's a new season. There's some, some hope. So, um, yeah, yeah. hopefully, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll be able to hang out and do this in person and, uh, oh, and go on a hike again and, yes. and, see bears and do all the things. Yeah. Maybe, maybe see bears, maybe almost get eaten by bears. It was memorable. I'll say that. It was. It was. <laughs> all right, Amy, thank you so much for your time. Have an awesome day. Thank you. That is it for Muscle Maven Radio this week. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. And uh, yeah, shout out to our sponsor, Ancestral Supplements. If we're talking about good skin, longevity, all that good stuff, you know how I feel about eating nose to tail. You know how I feel about organ meats. You know how I feel about collagen, okay? If anybody's ever seen me show off my manicure on Instagram <laughs> or anything like that, you know that I am a religious collagen user. Um, and I've noticed a significant improvement in the quality of my skin and my nails and my digestion using collagen. And you also know that I crush liver and other organ meats on the reg, usually making it myself, like actually making the food. But when I don't have liver handy, or if I'm just not feeling it, or if I'm traveling or whatever, I am supplementing with ancestral supplements because they make grass-fed, desiccated organ meat supplements with the highest quality sourcing. Um, their stuff is legit. And again, I'm not saying A plus B equals C here necessarily, but I use their products all the time and I have not been sick in a very long time. I think it has something to do with it. I think this nose to tail thing, you know, it really there's something to it. Okay. So give it a shot. If you don't want to try my cookbook yet, if you don't want to actually make liver yet, I'll get you there. But in the meantime, try ancestral supplements. Uh, you can go to ancestralsupplements.com or you can check the uh, link in the show notes and use the code maven10 to try that out. And speaking of organ meats and meat next week, I am joined by my carnivore pal, Paul Saladino, who has written the carnivore code. He is a obviously big proponent of eating meat, eating only meat, actually. So he's even more hardcore than I am. But we talk about that. We talk about the science. We talk about his book. We talk about eating raw liver. Yeah, you don't want to miss that one. So join me next week with Paul Saladino. Thank you for being here. Uh, reach out to me on social media if you want to. Send me an email. Um, talk to me. Give me some feedback. Let me know who you want on the podcast. Let's have a conversation. That's what this is all about. I appreciate you guys. And until next week. Take care of yourselves.